it feels good to be a gangster. Hello everyone and welcome back to a theater near you. My name is Chris Randazzo and I'm joined this evening as always by Michael Bolton fan, Paul Giroux. You could you could just call me Mike. And annihilated printer, Sean Doyle. Peterman! Breast exam on channel five! <laughs> This month's letter was oh oh. <laughs> we went with my pick, Office Space. Uh, it was just about the pinnacle of comedy back in its day, but is it still funny in the world of today? Did we all get the memo about the TPS reports? Let's find out. First, how are you, gentlemen? I'm freaking great. Yeah. Right? Uh, I'm just. I'm gonna step on your toes. I'm gonna go first. Do it. Suck it, Trebek. Do it, dude. Do it. So me and Jacqueline discovered. This is why I'm doing great at this moment. Me and Jacqueline discovered she thinks I'm too loud. Is this louder than I normally am? This is terrible. His seismograph lines like are not as big as Small. he thinks they should be. I know. All right. But you're not yelling. You're just, you're just talking like you. If I'm, I, which is usually a little loud. But if she thinks right? I'm louder, that, I'm, this is terrible radio. It's a good thing it's a this podcast. This is fantastic podcast. Make, All right. radio. Make anyway. more noises like a dying Yeti, and then it'll be good radio. <laughs> so anyway... We just discovered like two weeks ago that the county park, we live in Mercer County, New Jersey, the Mercer County Park does a happy hour every Thursday all through the summer where they, it's free and you can bring your dog and they got burgers and hot dogs and uh, live band and they serve you beers. The beers aren't free, but they're reasonably priced. So I get to sit outside every Thursday night now and just like, you know, the first week we went was like two weeks ago and the band was awesome. They really were. Uh... They were like a, a B-plus band, which doesn't sound awesome. You're like, that's only B-plus. But when I tell you they had A-plus choices in music, like every song they played, it was like, you know, you did, a, you did a decent cover of a phenomenal pick, and it's just, you're on a lake, and there's the sun, and there's beer, and you're outside, and the dog, and the whole thing, wonderful, wonderful. Band tonight, not as good, but, you know, um, what are you going to do? Uh, my only my only sadness about it is we we didn't discover it until two weeks ago and it's only got like one week left. So, if any of our fans are in Mercer County, Mercer County Park, I think it's called like the Boathouse. It's uh, it's awesome. It sounds like you just got to get a jump on it early in the summer next time. Yeah, yeah, it's like from five thirty to eight. So, oh, and so I'm already a couple beers in. I'm already at like end of the show, Sean <laughs> here. So. <laughs> We had uh, something similar to that in Ventnor, maybe? There's some sort of, like, summer series of uh, concerts on the beach in one of those beachy towns near us, and uh, we went to one for my mother-in-law's birthday, and then she came back the following week for another one, and they were really good. They are uh, just chill on the beach, uh, an ice cream truck pulls up, and uh, you just watch a Live show on the beach. It's really freaking cool. And I lived down that area my whole life until I moved to Mercer County. And I don't know what you're talking about, which tells me that they're spending our tax dollars well. I appreciate the, you know, the county putting together you know, this, this shindig. I think that's a good use of municipal funds. Uh, but they did a, a piss poor job in both scenarios of you know, advertising it. Like, you've got to let people know you're doing something cool with their money. That is a, a, a you know it's a community building thing or whatever I don't know there's probably some justification for it but you gotta like I don't even know how we found out about it uh, Jacqueline found it somewhere but like I don't know you gotta get the word out better is it well attended yeah there was I mean there was uh, it's a huge area it's like this uh, wedding venue uh, in Mercer County Park um, so it's a beautiful it's on a lake it's 
but it's a giant area. There was probably 150, 200 people there, but like it could accommodate more. And Mercer County's pretty populated. Um, so like, I don't know. I mean, some people knew about it, but I don't know. We didn't find out about it until going on eight weeks. And when I tell you it's 10 minutes from our house, like it, it, it couldn't be much closer. Um, and then the Vetner thing too, like, I don't know. I've never heard about any of that. That's not far from like my other home. So like, I don't know. Good work towns. Maybe, maybe a couple more bucks on PR. It seems to be getting a little bit bigger every year around here, at least like more because the beach area that it's in isn't super big. So it's just kind of this really fun, low key, kind of crowded, but not overcrowded thing. Uh, it's, it's nice. If one of those towns does it on like a Wednesday and the other one does it on a Thursday and you can like find another town that does it on a Friday, like just, you know, just like make the rounds, you know, like yeah. happy hour concerts all night long. There you go. I did notice uh, I was stuck in Woodbridge court the other day for like hours waiting for, you know, my sentencing. I'm going to jail, by the way. But uh, <laughs> I was in their lobby and they had a big, uh, a big sign up. It was like summer concert series. Sponsored by your mayor. Like he was really pushing himself. He was like, "I did this. Vote me in again." Um, which you know, maybe he did it. So I guess you know, take credit if it's your credit. So no, don't mean to push too hard on him. But it was basically like every night in August there was a band playing, and it was like it was either behind the high school and they had it listed. They did a pretty good job advertising it in the courthouse. Which I don't know. Most people don't go in the courthouse, right? Yeah, like hopefully you're not there unless you have to be. Right, right. So I don't know if that was the place to put up these big giant posters, but basically they had a concert set up like I think it was every night of the week. It was like every Monday is Country Mondays, every Tuesday is Rock and Roll Tuesday, Wednesday is I don't know whatever, Disco Your Face Off, whatever it is. But they uh, they seem to be putting effort forth too, and uh, again, kudos all around. I guess it doesn't hurt to advertise it in the courthouse because then you're you're casting that net to all the people who are there for jury duty, you know, and they're probably all like, "Ugh, we got to be there. And then they're like, Oh, like concert. Like maybe this wasn't a waste. Like, you know, glad we did this. So we learned about this concert. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Just saying for all our town planners and city planners that listen to our podcast, (laughs) make sure you get the word out when you're doing good stuff. (laughs) That's, that's exclusively the people that listen to our podcast. They're all city and or town planners, oddly enough. That's pretty weird. Yeah, very specific demographic we got going. Well, I'll I'll go because, uh, you know, in addition to uh, us doing a podcast for town planners, I know you guys have to um, wedge in your report about scallions, so... Um, I'll try to I'll try to get th- my thing out of the way so you guys can talk scallions for like forty minutes. Um, uh, yeah, all right. So look, how about this? In the interest of uh, saving time and uh, and making this concise, I'll do mine as as two truths and a lie. So you you tell me <laughs> you tell me which one the lie is. Ready? This is Paul's concise method of communication. <laughs> yeah. So all right. So how about this? Uh, the week before you, I saw you guys, I stayed in a yurt. Um, my body is actively trying to kill me as I sleep. Uh, and I have a badger living in my attic. 
Wow, all three of those are pretty believable. I talked to his I'm... wife, so I know one of them is true, unless she enjoys lying to me. <laughs> that would be a elaborate ruse that I set up if that was the case. <laughs> it would be. That's, that's planning uh... a forethought. I think the fake one is that your body's trying to kill you. I'm going to go with the fake one being the badger. Uh, Sean is right, or as right as he can be. Um, <laughs> uh, there is something living in my attic, but I don't know if it's a badger. I think it's, I think, oh. like, I think it's probably a mouse or a squirrel. Um, I was like, you said it with such confidence that I believed you. Well, I think those are the best lies, right? That are like based in, <laughs> in some form of truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus, I wanted to get all three things out, so that's why I, I strategized it this way. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, got something living in my attic. I was uh, I was lying in bed the other day, like, and I, like I'm listening. I thought the sound was coming from my phone. I'm like, what the like, what the hell is it? You know? And then like I listen harder, and I'm like, oh, it's above me. And then I got like real quiet, and I'm like lying there and listening. And whatever it is, it's like. Making making traffic like right above the bedroom, like it's running around like right over where I sleep. Um, so then like Sherry came home and she's like, "Where are you?" And I'm like, "Shh, be quiet." Then like she comes upstairs and she sees me just lying there. I'm like, "Don't say anything. Just be quiet." <laughs> and she's like, "What are we doing?" <laughs> and then like she heard it and I'm like, "All right, I'm not crazy, but." You can you didn't respond I'm hunting varmint? Like you just you just let that one go. What are you doing? Hunting varmint. We're hunting rabbits. Or rabbit, um, that was good too. You had so many options. Yeah, so I don't like I don't know what it is. I, I like it could be a squirrel or something or like it's I don't It it sounds small enough that it could be a mouse, but the other night I was trying to sleep and it was it was doing something up there and I like kept me up because I'm like fixated on it. Um, which is not the other thing where my body is actively trying to kill me in my sleep. Um, that's, uh, that's a different thing. Um, so like I went to, I went to like a doctor, like a, like a sleep doctor. Like a doctor or a doctor? Well, I don't like going to any doctors, but like, uh, I've been having this like problem for a while where like I wake up and like, I feel like I'm going to die. Like my heart's racing and like, I'm. I'm, uh, you know, like, like, I feel like I want to jump up and like throw a Volkswagen or something. Like, I'm kind of like, <laughs> like, ah, what happened? Um, and so I went to my doctor and then he recommended me for like a sleep specialist. And then I went to that guy and like, I kind of already he knew told you, you were having really angry dreams about Volkswagens. Well, I kind of already knew what it was. Right. Like, so it's like, uh, like I snore and like my soft palate thing in the back of my throat like closes and then you know then i'm like not getting enough air so like then my body's Mm. like holy crap we're dying and then that's why i like wake up with like adrenaline pulsing through me because it's like i've just experienced like a near-death thing you know so he set me up with like a sleep study thing and so i like i've been sleeping with like a snore guard thing so i did like one night without the snore guard and one night with it and I was like, I was like, I don't even need you to give me the results because the one night that I slept without it, like, I felt like I was gonna die the whole night. And then he's like, Yeah, you had nineteen events, like when you like almost die, like that's like an event. He's like, You had nineteen events an hour. And I was like, Oh, great! 
<laughs> so wow yeah they they gotta give me one of them like darth vader machines so i'm not not really looking forward to that but that's a that's the thing that's happening i guess I'm, i hope it's can... hope it's like easy to use and doesn't piss me off because like otherwise i'm, I'm probably just gonna die <laughs> like you can look forward you say you're not looking forward to it you can look forward to not having 19 near-death experiences per hour while sleeping yeah that's something to look forward to you just gotta, yeah. you just gotta put that in the right context. <laughs> that seems a lot better than the alternative. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not good with like doing the same thing all the time. You know, like I think if they were like, you need to take this pill at the same time every day, or you'll die. Like probably I'd get through the first day, and then I'd be dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I guess this is the beginning of like I don't know, needing to take medicine and do things and stuff so being old the beginning yeah, of being old yeah i got to sort you that crap out stop it. Yeah. and then uh and then yeah the week the week before i saw you guys uh we went to uh we went to virginia um and we stayed in the Shenandoah mountains uh the farm it was like a farm that was like an airbnb the place was called care paravel so they named it after all narnia stuff um and uh we stayed in a yurt and it was it was a was super awesome. It made me, made me kind of jealous. I was like, I built so many temporary things that, you know, I had to take apart. Like three weeks later, I was like, I could build a yurt. This is cool. Like, I want to build a cool, awesome tent that you could live in. So, yeah, stayed in a yurt, did some camping, cooked by the fire, hiked all around, and uh, and then came home. And it was a it was a cool vacation. Any more yurts in my life? I don't know. I'm happy with the number of yurts I'm currently experiencing. <laughs> and how many yurts yeah. is that? Zero. Zero yurts. Oh, no okay. yurts. Uh, yeah, I guess the more I think about it, I'm not great at sleeping in general. So <laughs> I guess sleeping somewhere other than my bed. Although my bed is way too small. Yeah, but... Like, we got a... Uh, queen size bed and we should have just went with a king size bed even though it doesn't really fit in the bedroom like i'm always hanging off the side of the bed at night while i'm trying to sleep it it doesn't matter if they fit in the bedroom they come in in a big box now and you just like you unbox it and the mattress goes you know like (laughs) you could totally if you get the right kind you could get one in there yeah we don't have a king and but my problem is even if we got and i could be wrong uh I feel like my problem isn't left to right space. It's up and down space. I feel like I'm too tall for my bed. And I'm not, I mean, I'm tall, but I'm not crazy tall. I'm like six one, six one and a half. But I feel like I'm always hanging off the bottom. Like my feet are always hanging off. But I, I think if we got a king, it doesn't get taller, right? It just gets wider. It's not helpful. Just sleep the other way then. Like, turn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, turn If we got a king, sideways. that might work. If we yeah, got a king, that might go. work. The, the queen. What a, I guess we have a queen. Is that the one down from a king? Yeah. Right. So I guess we got a queen, and uh, it's definitely taller than it is wide, but maybe a king wouldn't be. So yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe a king sideways is the way to go. I think there might even be one bigger than a king. I think it's called like a California there, king. Yeah, and Joe yeah. had one of those, and Joe would move every year and a half, and we would have to try to bend this the biggest mattress you ever <laughs> saw in your whole life around a spiral staircase outdoor three stories up every freaking time uh so i, I have a hard to, you know that no i 
I don't know that I can justify that. <laughs> well, one of these days I'm going to get a better bed. But in the meantime, no, nah, I don't think I've done anything all that uh, exciting besides... Oh, no, that's not, not entirely true. I just went... Uh, it's even movie-related. I went to the movie theater uh, with our friend Jim Yamaguchi, and I saw the new Dragon Ball movie, and it was awesome. There are so few people that I know personally that can, like, will geek out with me about Dragon Ball stuff. And then it, I was going to go by myself. Then I was like, wait a minute, Jimmy Yamaguchi, he likes Dragon Ball like me. So I, uh, I called him up and we got tickets and we, we met at the theater, hung out for a little while. Uh, and then uh, we watched the movie with subtitles. And it was like, it was just this magical, I felt like a kid, like the whole damn time. Because like, you know, when we were kids, me and Jim used to like go out to, uh, there was a, some store in Atlantic City where we would get these bootleg import Dragon Ball tapes. So like we would watch the show on TV here in America. And then like the, the but that by the time we were getting the episodes, they were already way done with the show in Japan. So we were getting all this stuff that was like years ahead of what was being aired in America with all these, the Japanese subtitles and all that stuff. So like when the movie starts up and it's showing the, I think it's the Shueisha logo and there's all the waves nearby. It's like, sitting in a movie theater and seeing that was this like completely magical experience to me. And, and the movie was funny. It was, uh, it was animated differently than anything Dragon Ball had done before. It was, it was a uh, computer generated, but like in this cell shaded way. So it was like a weird mix of hand drawn, but computer generated. So all the battles looked really cool and it was focused on like B tier characters rather than like the main two characters. Uh, and that, that was, that just made me so unbelievably happy. I was, it was one of the most fun movie going experiences I, I and unique experiences I had in a while. Cause I don't think I've ever seen a, even a, a fully subtitled movie in the theaters before, but we had the option to go see it with a, a English dub. And we were like, nah, let's, let's go, let's go all the way. Let's see the, <laughs> let's, let's go with the, the subtitled one. And cause that's how I like watching the show myself. Uh, now, whenever the new episodes come, come up, like, a couple of years ago they were doing a new new series and i just i prefer the japanese voice actors now it's uh i don't know if it's super weird that way or whatever but uh because you know goku is uh the main character of most dragon ball stuff goku is uh actually voiced by uh the same woman who voiced him back in the 80s when the show was on and he was a kid and they never really changed goku's voice so he's like grown up that sounds like a woman <laughs> pretending to be a kid which is weird but uh, it works. <laughs> Man, those people can scream. There's so much <laughs> Dragon Ball movies. It's just people screaming into microphones. And man, oh man, she's not getting any younger, but she can still scream, scream like the best of them. So, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, outside of that, I, I sold a bunch of old Commodore stuff that's been sitting in my closet for years. So that's pretty cool. And I think that just about uh, catches me up with the world. I have no frame of reference for this dragon ball thing like i'm i'm happy for you it sounds exciting sounds like a dream come true <laughs> i don't know what that is um i've never been able to like key into that thing the dragon ball stuff i mean uh i watched that one anime that you told me to watch that um trigon trigon was cool like i mean i haven't seen it in like probably like 20 years but um but, Dragon Ball's very different. I don't recommend it. This, yeah. this is another. This is another scenario where uh, Paul, uh, one of us, has to murder the other because those were all the words I was about to say. Like almost in the same order, I was going to say. Them. 
<laughs> I was saying, like, Dragon Ball is such a... It's so immensely popular, but it's also just, like, it's really niche. Like, I can't... I can't in good conscience recommend the show to most people. Mm. Like, it's not what I would consider a good show. It just... It's very good at doing what it does. And I feel like it's the kind of thing you have to grow up with, because trying to watch it now... Like, alright, so, like, over the last school year, John and I started watching it. Uh, we started with Dragon Ball Z, and we got pretty far, but, like, I kind of had to start rethinking things for a little bit, because, first off, the show is so incredibly Japanese that it's got a lot of, like, not-okay sex stuff in it, like, early on. <laughs> like, one of the main characters, like, the dude who trains the main characters is just a pervert. He's this super old dude who likes groping teenage girls. Like that's just, that's just part of the show's DNA and it's freaking weird, but and you got this weird problem for you of like, how old were you when you saw it? And then it's like, John's almost that age, but you're his dad. You didn't watch it with his dad, right. with your dad. So then it's exactly. like, maybe it's okay for him to see it, but you can't be the one to show it to him. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Um, so when they brought it to America, they cut a lot of that stuff out. Hmm. So I, sh I watched the American version of like the first season or so, and that's where most of the like super gropey, gross really horrible to women stuff is. But then we got to the point in this part of the show where they're fighting this villain named Frieza and that we were getting close to one particularly like, I mean, just a really gruesome death sequence where this one character gets impaled on this guy's horns. And then he just like keeps him up there for a while. And he's just swinging him around and blood's like running down his face and he's laughing and like, Krillin's corpse is just up there bobbing around while he's murdering other people. Like it's really gruesome. And I was like, man, how do I show this to John? Like, can he handle this? <laughs> Cause it's pretty messed up. And like, he starts killing kids at a certain point. Not like the star Wars thing where they just like, he ignites the lightsaber and then the camera cuts away. He's about to kill the uh, younglings. Like, no, nah, he just blows up a couple of children right in front of their parents. It's like, god damn, this show is brutal, and it, it, the Japanese version of the show is just absolutely brutal. Um, but uh, it's it's I can't say it's good stuff because it's not good. It's so it's so stretched. There's so much filler. There's so much. I mean, a good portion of every twenty some odd minute episode. I'd say at least maybe. Five to seven minutes of every episode is either someone gawking or screaming. Like a thing happens and then everybody reacts to it. And and all the reactions are just like, oh, oh, oh. like and they just go they scroll through the whole cast. It's okay. You don't you don't have to justify why you like a thing that's bad. Like we all do that with something. I was realizing that the other day. I so I have a couple things that I watch. By myself, you know, like, like if Sherry goes to bed early or if she's not home from work yet or whatever, it's like, these are the things I know that she won't want to watch. And sometimes it's like, I, I'm like, it's strategic. Like, I'm like, ah, you won't like this. Or sometimes I'm like, um, you know, like I'll give this a try knowing that she probably won't like the thing. And a lot of them are like 
my weird true crime stuff, you know, like I'm I I didn't think this was a thing that I would find myself compelled to at this stage in my life, but like I'm super into I'm su- I, th- I think it's cuz I think I'm going to solve the mystery, you know. I'm like I'm like let me, you know, let me watch this uh documentary about, you know, I don't know, DB Cooper or whatever, right? Um but uh I I started watching that show on um Prime called Bosch. Either of you know that show? No, but I've heard of it. But hold on one second, Jacqueline. Watch Bosch. Everything (laughs) you're saying right now is so. This is you and me are different. I think I might be Sherry in this scenario, and you might be Jacqueline. Jacqueline's big into true crime and all that stuff, and I it does it does nothing for me. Um, But she she's she's into that now, and so our crossover, our meetup, and this might help you with Sherry. Our meetup is. She finds things that are true crime and comedy, like the podcast um, uh, My Favorite Murder. Okay. We can both enjoy that because it's funny, which I enjoy, and it's true crime, which she enjoys. And though it's not true crime, we both enjoy that show, um, um, Only Murders in the Building. Yeah, Only Murders in the Building. show's great. Yep. We've all got common ground there. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. It's a really well done show. I Every time I sit down to watch it, I expect it to be funnier than it is. It's not very funny. It's got its moments. Uh, but you've got, like, two of the funniest men on the planet, and you're giving me an A+. Like, what they're trying to do, they're doing A+. I just keep expecting them to do something that's slightly different, and they're, they're not. They've got their own plan, and, you know, again, they're doing an A-plus job at their plan. But I keep expecting more funny. Did, I, and did we two all, seasons in, it's my fault. I should know by now. Did we all finish season two? I did. You didn't? Is it over? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched it. it the, the, uh, the finale was... Um, is, it, is, is, it a, is it a spoiler to say the celebrity that's in the final episode? It's not, probably, right? That's not a spoiler. It, it might be. I feel like... It's not like the person was in any prior episode, so you're not spoiling any part of the plot. I don't. I don't think you should spoil it, though, because the celebrity guest star that was in was in the end of season two has nothing to do with the finale of season two it's the setup for season three season three so right i see okay yeah don't tell me anything then we're at i think we just have the finale left when did it when did it show up i think it just aired tuesday oh yeah we've been uh we haven't had much we haven't uh, tuesday was when i went out to go see dragon ball and then uh last night was Wednesday. What was last night? Uh, something happened last night. We're usually we're usually way behind. In fact, we we finished it last night, but I think we watched like three episodes because we're always we're behind on everything all the time. Well, we watched well, the newest She-Hulk this afternoon over lunch, and now I'm recording this, and I think tomorrow night we're out too. But it's yeah, we're we're up to the second to last episode. All we're all we need is to to watch the finale, and then we'll be caught up. Oh uh, yeah. Well, before before I, you you threw She-Hulk out there, so I'm sure we're going to have something to say about that before we just to, just so I conclude my train of thought about Bosch. Like again, I don't know why I'm bringing this up cuz it's like not a good show, right? It's like it's like <laughs> it's like super duper a police procedural. Like they focus on all this stuff that like this like minutia that they want you to care about about how like cops conduct themselves and like you know, cop culture, and then, like, like just weird little things about, like, oh, well, when you log out the evidence book, you gotta, you know, like, like these, like, little insider things that, like, I guess if you are, like, super into that 
that kind of idea, you're like, oh, that's so interesting. You know, like there, there's because I think it's produced by somebody that was a former detective or something. So like there's all these things that are like insider to that world that they want you to go like, oh, cool. Like I'm clued into the thing. Right. But like the actual production value of the show is like garbage. Like like sometimes I think they just are like, oh, here's a apartment. Let's use that. Like here's a office, you know, like there's no, there's no, like there's, there's no production design. There's nothing where it's like, this kind of matches the character of that. Like, it's just kind of a show, but then they, then they'll throw some like cliffhanger at the end of the episode. They'll be like each episode will track through about like four or five different storylines that all you know that all all are part of the same season that all are cases that they're involved in or like interpersonal things that are happening with the police department or whatever and then like it'll end you with something that's just enough of a hook that you're like all right i gotta see what happens next and i'm like why am i still watching this show but it's just because that's that's how my brain works so you think that that show is your bad show that you enjoy equivalent to Chris's Dragon Ball Z bad show. And I don't mean to, I'm not knocking either, but, you know, quote unquote, not, not something you would necessarily recommend because it's not quote unquote good. And when Chris was describing the Dragon Ball Z phenomena, my thought was, well, my Dragon Ball Z is Night Court, right? I mean, I'll watch Night Court and defend it to the bitter bloody end, but I guess it, I mean, again, I want to the words I want to say are, it can't be described as good, but it's hard to get those words out of my mouth, because I'm like, that, that show's fucking great. Screw everybody. They, they saw a shark, they jumped over it, they went back, they pulled the shark out of the water, they put him through med school, and then after they were done with that, they slit his throat and ate him. That's what they did to the shark, because they were like, Dan Fielding's in a yurt in Alaska. I just rewatched all of Night Court in like, uh, it took me like four weeks to get through like nine seasons. It is an amazing show. And you should just, every, this is my recommendation of the week. And I spotted Michael Jordan when he was still a little oily rag under a truck. Watch all of Night Court, back to back to back. Quit your job. I think it's a common consensus that a lot of other people would say that Night Court is a good show. I don't think, I don't think. Yeah, no, Night Court's great. Yeah, I don't oh, think that it? can be your oh. guilty thing. I, have to, I think it has to be something that you acknowledge is not good, but you keep watching it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's my that's my weird take on on Dragon Ball is that the show it like it doesn't tell its story well, but its story is great, and it does what you were talking about with the whole like every episode is like maybe a few things happen, and then right at the end something real interesting happens. You're like, come back next time, and then you do. Uh, so it's got this like really fun, awesome mythology and just really awesome fight sequences and completely. Re- complete ridiculousness but it's like you just have to have a really high tolerance for people gawking and shit because that's most of the show is gawking and yelling which is why i would say it's it's a great story told horribly it's, uh but i love it to death. it's like that thing where the camera starts far away and then it like goes real close on somebody's eyes and they're like oh and then like somebody else is like oh <laughs> like that's that's what you're talking about right Kinda, except uh, there's no like, there's no real panning involved. It's just like you know, faces splashed across the screen one at a time. Somebody go, like, 
somebody shows up and then they're like in crazy crazy powerful and then they beat the good guys and then the good guys go and regroup and then they come back and somebody's just reaches a new level of power and they're just unbelievably powerful and somebody will throw an attack and it won't affect them and then every cast cast of characters gets a single close-up shot going oh oh what oh and they just do that it's that same formula over and over and over again but i never know how they're going to get to that point as if and that's what's as if every character is trying to squeeze out a dump all at the same time (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of that yes indeed all right we should probably get uh get to get to what we're here for huh what half uh, hour in you want to start talking about the movie I do. I think a half hour is pretty good time, right? For for us, we're we're good. Don't anybody good. bring up scallions. <laughs> God, I love scallions. All I right, twenty minutes before <laughs> before I get to the next thing, I'm going to mention this again at the end of the show. But right now, I want to say that um, I probably should have mentioned this at the top of the show. But the Geekade Patreon is changing a bit. We did a bunch of stuff today. We're introducing new tiers, a monthly newsletter, and uh, patrons will get early access to many of our shows, including this one. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about it at the end of the show, but I wanted to bring it up towards the beginning of the show, half an hour in, I've already failed miserably. So, Oh, th- this is like an audience building thing? Like we might get more than just Greg? <laughs> uh, we got Greg maybe? and Bonnie. We got like two. And you know what's, you know what's <laughs> unfortunate? We probably have a third listener that I don't know by their first name, and we're just leaving them out every week, and I'm sorry. I, th- I mean, depends on where they're watching I or listening. I think all of our uh, YouTube podcasts or youtube posts get like three to four listens so i mean except the paulie shore episode which got a lot of listens <laughs> which is very strange but i guess we're just not picking know. the right movies is that is that what it is yeah the natural didn't really do too well for us but you know what that's not what we're here for we're, we're not we're not here for we're here for us i have made a note about what you said regarding paulie shore <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be our claim to fame. Yo, can uh, we call Paulie Shore and try to get him on the? I guess this this is more like notes for later. We, we don't have to do yeah. this on. Let's move on. All right, so let's talk about our our pick, which was Office Space. Office Space was released on February nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine. It was distributed by Twentieth Century Fox. It was written and directed by Mike Judge, whose other credits include Beavis and Butthead, King of the Hill, and Idiocracy. The movie stars Ron Livingston, Jennifer Aniston, Stephen Root, Gary Cole, David Herman, and A.J. Naidu. Based on a series of animated shorts that aired on shows like Saturday Night Live and MTV's Liquid Television, Office Space tells the story of a guy who doesn't quite quit his job, plans a Superman-inspired caper in order to fulfill his dream of doing nothing. That's pretty good. Yep. All right. All right, so let's see. I uh, I watched this via nefarious means because my DVD uh, is not in HD. It's just a DVD. So I, I streamed this. I had a glass of chocolate milk, and Greg came over to watch it with me, which was, uh, which adorable. was lovely. No, it's adorable. It's not lovely. It's adorable. I, uh, it can be both. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I watched this. I think it was on Amazon Prime. Didn't we watch this? I mean, it doesn't matter. I think we watched it on Prime. I'm going <laughs> to go with that. Um, the, my, my, uh, I try to match up the thing. But I could, maybe I'm getting lazy. Maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I'm getting uncreative. The only thing I could think of to match it up with uh, which I had was I had some birthday cake because the Milton scene where he doesn't get any birthday mm. cake and it happened to be my birthday like a week ago. So we still had like some, uh, Jacqueline made me this delicious, uh, Guinness, uh, it's like a Guinness chocolate cake with this Bailey's cream frosting or not frosting icing, uh, which is delicious. So we still had that sitting around. So I was like birthday cake, 
uh, and uh, and beer. I don't know because there's some beer. This just I couldn't couldn't match this one up very good. So that's what I had, and we watched it. We again, I think it's free on Amazon Prime. Why are you stealing stuff that you have free legal access to? I just you're, it's like you're doing it for the crime. I didn't even realize. Well, is it even a crime? I have, <laughs> I paid for it. So who cares if I watch a pirated version? I have That's a river. That's what I'm saying. You watch the pirate. You're killing me. I didn't you're even think to smokes. check Amazon Prime. I was like, that. Like honestly, just going to Plex was the first thought that I had. Yeah, we we didn't pay for it. It was either free on Prime or Hulu. I think it was Prime. Yeah. Well. Last last time I was told to pass the cake and then I didn't get any cake, so um, I would like to uh, hold on to this cake for so I could eat the cake. Um, yeah, I I don't know what either of you guys did. I uh, I popped in the DVD the way God intended us to. You know? I I've, I've had this, this I've had this DVD since 1999, so that's that's how I watched it the the way that. That the Lord intended. Um, Good old-fashioned way. Well, okay. Prime has it for free with ads, that, okay? That's what I was going to say. So I, so I watched it, I guess I watched it Monday night. I think I was going to watch it Sunday afternoon. Like, we we sat down. I, I forget. We went out and did something, and then we got back, and we were exhausted, and I plopped down on the couch. And it was like, what do you want to watch? And you know, we went through the options. I was like, well, we can watch Office Space. Like, we got to, I got to watch Office Space this week. And then I was like, I don't feel like getting up. And I, you know, I did the thing like, is it on any of the streaming things? And then yes, it was on Prime. And then I was like, I'm not gonna watch this with ads. I own it. It's sitting right there on the shelf. I'm, I'm like, I'm not that lazy. So, um, so yeah. Then we watched it the next night, and I had. Uh, I had two like like ice cream pops. They were like uh they're like the kinds that are like dipped in like it's like I don't know. It's like dipped in like a chocolate thing, but like the one was too small. So then I was like, oh, this is lame. So then I got like the bigger one. So uh, man, so I had uh, I had two ice cream pops and enjoyed my movie. Nice. I can eat an ice cream pop right now. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I actually didn't even take any notes on this, um, so I'm I'm just going off the cuff here, uh, right? Well, so before we started watching the movie, like I said, it's been a long time since I've seen this. Um, we booted it up, and I I was like, we were looking at the cast, and I was like, oh my god, I totally forgot Jennifer Aniston was even in this movie. Like I forgot about her character entirely. This <laughs> and this movie is so well cast. Like, oh my god, it really is. I, I, I had the same thought while while I was watching it. Like, this is an amazing cast. Um, it's I, I have to wonder how some of it came to be, you know, because like I think, you know, I, I think you, it came to be. Jesus came down and said, "Let it be." <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like for example, like Mike Judge was working with, um what's his face steven root on uh king of the hill you know so like or and and maybe some of the other people too like that david herman i know he's a voice actor like he was a voice on futurama and some other things um so i I have to believe that some of these people came came in it through like mike judge and his connection to the animation world um and then like i'm also pretty sure that 
Jennifer Aniston was in it because the studio was like, we're not going to make this without a star. Like you have to mm. get, you have to get some big name affiliated with this. Um, uh, but then a lot of the people, like it made me wonder if they like, like essentially that they were like, who will play this part? And they auditioned some people and then maybe said like, well, we like this person the best, but like, let's fill out the rest of the cast with these people. Let's put some of these other people in the movie, you know, because the guy that has the um, jump to conclusions, Matt, you know, like <laughs> I had to feel like maybe he could have played Milton, you know, like um, there's a couple people. Maybe uh, he also could have played the other boss, not Bill Lumberg, but the other the second manager that comes up. The second manager that comes up to Peter and gives him a hard time actually looks a little bit like the guy who does the jumps to conclusion, Matt. Right. And, like, you know, were some of those guys in the running for Lumberg? Maybe some of the Bobs were in the running for Lumberg. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it, it just felt like. Uh, it just felt like they found a bunch of funny people and then were like, well. You can all be in it. Like we'll we'll make a <laughs> we'll make room for everybody. Yeah, there's 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 enough weirdos in an office. There's a part for all of you. You know. <laughs> I uh, the other one I couldn't place right away was Diedrich Bader's character. I'm not good with names. Who's Diedrich Bader? Which character? The guy on the other end of the wall. Oh God, I love him. That, I like the mustache and the hair do make him look not like he normally. Yeah, it was uh, definitely threw me off a little bit. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, I just, I, what was his name in the movie? I have no idea. Peter uh, Rand. That's, I just remember him saying Peter a lot. And then, wait, wait, wait. I can do it. You ready? Because then he's like, I won't tell anyone. They're like, who the fuck is that? Oh, no, he doesn't say his name. He just says, no, he's cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lawrence. His, name, his character Lawrence, was named Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. Lawrence, there you go. So yeah, that was a, it. Was a weird experience right before watching the movie, uh, waiting for Karen to get downstairs. Uh, Greg and I just kind of looking at it because Greg hadn't seen it in a long time either, and we were just trying to remember things about the movie. And I was like, "All right, what else did I forget? This is going to be exciting." And then when I watched it, and it was just, God, it was just as as magical as it ever was. There was like I think one or two uh, gay slurs. Uh, earlier on, but that's really unavoidable in this time period of like where he's using using uh, terminology for gay people as a, a derogatory thing. But again, I I don't hold it against the movie. It was a it was a different time. But other than that, I really think it holds up brilliantly. It's such a weird time capsule too, especially now. Um, this is my first time watching the movie since I had an office job. I worked uh, in a cubicle office for five years, and uh, so I guess a lot of the jokes and the, the the other people in the office hit differently because, like, I met those people, <laughs> I worked with those people, and that was uh, that was weird, um, and just the whole like cubicle lifestyle of like those those walls and uh, how it feels to be in this weird individualized world inside of an office building that was it was it was definitely a, it was definitely a different experience and also you know it being you know the movie starts and like the first thing that all three of us noticed was like man look at all those cars <laughs> the the cars look so different and there's no suvs on the road it's just a bunch of cars um 
and then uh, like the 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 restaurants, there's like chain restaurants everywhere, and they're all packed, and there's all people walking around, and like, yeah, in the last couple of years of COVID, like restaurants aren't quite uh, at least chain restaurants aren't quite as packed and quite as ubiquitous. Like chain restaurants are closing down a bunch, and like we've got. They mentioned chilies, but then there was tchotchkes, which was obviously Fridays. Mm-hmm. And what was the other one? Flingers. Um, flingers. <laughs> and it really made me hungry. Like, I could totally eat it in any of the, I love chain restaurant food. Hell yeah. I love chain restaurant I, food. I, lo- I, I really liked that the, the movie lampooned a couple different types of work. Um you, uh-huh. you know, because like it, it, um, it, it was such a weird niche idea, right? Because it like evolved from this cartoon called Milton that was Milton sitting at a desk muttering about his stapler, and you know, Lumberg comes in, and it's essentially that scene, sort of right in the middle of the movie, where they ask him. They ask him to move his desk back and make room for more boxes and stuff like that. He like steals the staple. Yeah, that yeah. is it almost. It almost feels. God, if this is what happened, let's use sentences. It almost feels like a <laughs> Caddyshack scenario where you had an idea for a movie, right? So, as far as I know from the stories I've heard, Caddyshack starts out. They have a plan for a movie about the caddies, but then you get these funny people and they get in these roles and and. You know, one thing leads to another, and by the end, you've got this brilliant movie where the caddies are a secondary plotline at best. They're tertiary. I mean, I mean, the Chevy Chase plotline and the Brody Dangerfield plotline take center stage, and then Bill Murray comes in and steals the spotlight despite not having a plotline. And the the caddies are, you know, in fourth or fifth place at that point. And I think that's, from my understanding, that's where the movie started. They were like, what if we had a funny story about caddies, right? That's why it's called Caddyshack, but it's not about caddies. And here, you got a movie that developed from those cartoons that were about Milton and Lumberg. But really, I mean, screen time for Milton or Lumberg, I know Milton ends up being the, the quintessential joke at the end as far as, like, the, the apex of the story. Um, but screen time is, uh, is, is lower than it should be. Stephen Root is phenomenal. He's phenomenal in news radio. He's phenomenal in this. Um, but his screen time is four minutes, five minutes. Like, he's... He's not the main focus at all. Lumberg's barely in it, who's, who also does a phenomenal job. And it sounds like I'm attacking this movie. Let's be clear, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, this is a top ten movie for me. Like, uh, not just on a, a comedy list. Like, on all the movies put together, this is a top ten movie for me. I love this movie. But those two really fall to the background of all the other stuff that's going on. They're, they're funny points, but they're... They're not the plot anymore, and, and you're right. As far as I know, that's where this movie comes from. Yeah, I, um, yeah, it, it's it's fascinating. I think um, because that being sort of the window into this, I, I think it was really smart that they kind of tried to make it universal about work, like not just working in an office, but they tried to, um, you know, they tried to even they tried to make some of these. Uh, funny moments universal to everyone whether or not you work in an office and I think the inclusion of the chain restaurants the um, the tchotchkes which is supposed to be Fridays and the flair and, and all that stuff um, you know really 
I mean, that hooked in people that work in the, the service industry. Like, there was a lot of funny gags in that. And then, like, I think it was brilliant, including Dietrich Bader... Dietrich Bader's character in this like because you you just as easily could have had the movie without him like you talk about who had little screen time um and who made the most of it like man he made the most of the little screen time he had but like yeah um but like yeah uh, this would have worked without uh somebody on the other side of the wall and and making those those jokes but I really liked that they included his character and that his you know his his experience in the construction world is so foreign to all these other things that people do you know and he's like have you ever heard this you know would anyone ever say to you that you have a case of the mondays and he's like oh no i, no. I think you can get yourself killed for saying that <laughs> but but it's a shock it's a no 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 man no you get your ass kicked right. his character you're saying he's he's dispensable so the other day i was walking the dog and i hadn't watched the movie yet but i knew it was coming up and uh, uh, walk the dog 20 minutes or whatever. And so, like, you know, that's quiet time where my mind just wanders. And I started thinking about the movie. And I, I've seen this movie, other than Plan 9 from Outer Space, this is probably the movie I've seen the most number of times. Uh, and actually, that's a toss-up. It might be this one. Um, the, I used to watch this movie, like, on a weekly basis. And it's, it hasn't been that long since yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, same. But I... But I spent 20 minutes just thinking about it, and it, something occurred to me the other day when I was walking the dog that had never occurred to me before. And it, once it occurred to me, I was like, you know, that's an obvious point that everyone else probably already saw, but I'm going to go ahead and point it out because nobody said it, right? And, and what you just said makes me think maybe no one else did see it. I don't know, but I'll be a little bit of a college philosophy kid dick about this. Uh, blue's not blue to everybody. The... Uh, <laughs> That guy's the hero of the movie. And I don't mean like he's the funniest guy in the movie, which he very well might be. I mean, he's the hero of the movie. He's the moral of the story. It occurred to me, and like, again, 20 minutes of just walking the dog, nothing else to do but like overanalyze this movie. The movie, uh, the movie has one specific message. And the message, if I got it, and maybe I'm way off here, and I don't mean to give this movie a message because it's just such a fun, enjoyable movie, especially the first half. It does feel like two different movies glued together. Everybody else sees that too, right? Like the first half is the funniest first half of any movie ever made. And then the second half is like, I feel like they came in and they were like, oh shit, we have to actually have a movie. And they were like, all right, well, we'll do some stuff and we'll, we'll have a plot and it'll the, be fine. The third, and, and they, the third act is a little clunky. Um, I, I, and I think I know what you're going to say, but I won't say it because you... Hate it when I say things first, um, but uh, but yes, Sean. I think that I think that the first part of the movie moves so well; it's amazing. Like it's just the the one joke feeds into the next joke, feeds into the next, and like setting up some of these funny characters, and then the way it pays off moves so well. It's after they, it's after they uh, decide come up with the plot. Decide what? to rob the thing, right? Right, right. Come up with a plot, right? Their and, plot, the movie's plot, and, and specifically after they inject the virus, right? Like, or, or after the after the virus messes up and like pays out all that money to them, um, because then it felt like yeah, they had to wrap up a couple things and they did it in kind of a weird way. Um, but sorry, not go ahead. terrible. Not no no no, and, and it's not terrible. I, I still enjoy the movie, 
But the first half, and you're breaking it into thirds, and that makes me have to try to recalculate which third. I, I always thought of the movie as like the first half is the best first half of any movie ever, ever. The second half is a very good second half to a movie. It's not on the level of the first half. You're saying first act, second act, third act, so I got to think that through a little bit. But the, uh, we're making the same point. Um, I couldn't tell you where the the act breaks are, but like I just said, third act because I feel like it's it's the last third of the movie. It's it's once right. once that once they realize they're in trouble, once the once the virus pays them more than they're supposed to. It it didn't feel like a movie. It didn't feel like an intentionally made movie up to that point. It felt like home. It just felt like. Not, not, not that I had experienced it, but it just felt, it just felt, it didn't feel like somebody was showing me a movie. It just felt, there's no, there's no way to describe the bliss that the first half or third or whatever it is of this movie brings me, right? And then the second half is like, it just, there's, you can almost hear the, the tires screeching where they're like, wait a second, we're supposed to make a movie. We got to get some studio executive to st- sign off on this so they'll let us release it and they were like well let's do the best job we can you know turning this shit we've done into a movie and they do a pretty good job they do a pretty good job and i enjoy it and i again one of my favorite movies of all time not not speaking ill of it but it's definitely you can feel that shift um oh so lawrence lawrence is the hero of this movie and here's why if you watch the movie again, and I, when I watched it again with Jacqueline and I had my cake and my beer, I had already thought this all through, and I was like, I, I think I'm right. The point of the movie, you're, you're following Peter, right? He's your, your, your you know, uh, whatever, protagonist or whatever. And in the beginning, he's like, I'm unhappy because I'm not doing what I want to do, right? I don't like what I do, right? And he's and he's he's talking to Lawrence. He's like, "What would you do if you had a million dollars? What would you do if you had a million dollars to you know his his office mates or whatever?" So they're going on and on about what would you do, what would you do, what would you do, and then and they're all unhappy. Everybody in the movie, right, uh, is unhappy for the most part. The he tries to change what he does, but it 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 doesn't actually make him happy. He's still unhappy, and then he. You almost, for a moment, uh, there's a reason to believe that it's, well, you want to be who you want to be, but that's not it either. The point of the movie is to be who you are. And when you look at all the characters, and you start at the beginning, and you look at all the characters who aren't being who they are, not who they want to be, not doing what they want to do, but just being who they are. Everybody who's not being who they are, which is everybody but Lawrence for the most part, they're all unhappy. Lawrence is himself. He goes to work. He doesn't love his job. He's like, I got to get my ass up at 5 a.m. every day this week. Go up to Pasadena and put up the drywall at the new McDonald's. Whatever he's saying, right? He doesn't love his job, but he doesn't have to put up with bullshit about people saying, sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays, right? He doesn't have to put up with that because he's just being him. He's doing a job. He doesn't love it. It is what it is. And that's the point that the other guy was making about the... Nobody would nobody would pick up the trash, you know, if they had a million dollars. So that, that, that can't be a good question. That can't be a good gauge. And then when you look at Peter, when he's doing what he wants, it almost looks like happiness, but it all falls apart on him. At the end of the movie, it's not that he loves his job. He doesn't love shoveling up ashes, but he's being himself, and he's happy. When Michael Bolton 
Michael Bolton is a, he's a middle of the road character in the beginning. As soon as he lies and pretends to be somebody he's not, his life turns to shit. Right? As soon as he tells the Bobs that he's like, yeah, I, I like Michael Bolton, all this song. As soon as he does that, one, you can see the pain in his face. That guy's a great actor. And two, he gets fired immediately afterwards. Right? The only people in that movie... Oh, and Jennifer Aniston. That's another great example. It's not that she hates being a waitress, because she's super happy once she's at Flingers, or happy enough anyway, once she's at Flingers. It's not being a waitress that makes her unhappy. It's pretending to be, you know, the flare queen that makes her unhappy. Right? So once she flips the guy off and goes gets a different job that's really the same job, but she's being herself, all of a sudden she's happy. So the moral of the movie is be who you are, not do what you want, not be who you wish you were, just be who you are. And if you keep that in mind while you're watching it, it felt like every character felt, fell into that pattern really well. And if that's the case, if that was the purpose, if there was a purpose to this movie, which I almost, I feel bad assigning a purpose to the movie, because again, it's such a perfect, just perfect piece of everything. It's wonderful. Uh, if that was the purpose, Lawrence is clearly the hero of the movie. He's happy in the beginning, he's happy in the middle, he's happy at the end, and he's unabashed about who he is the whole time. He, you know, Peter Man, turn on Channel 5, breast exam. You know, you want to go fishing? Let's go fishing, you know? duck out on work like he's just he is who he is he's not afraid of it he's not pretending to be anybody else at any moment and he's the only character that's truly happy from the start of the movie to the end of the movie oh whether or not the movie thinks it had a purpose i would i would argue it has a purpose or it has it has become a movie with a huge purpose um this i did i i don't think i realized until I watched it this time around, how much this movie impacted me and my life. Like, I think it has shaped large parts of my life. And I would, I would bet that there are other people out there that are similar to our age that, um, that could say the same. Uh, so I, so here's another thing that surprised me about this. I, um, I didn't realize that this movie wasn't really a critical su- uh, a success. Um, it it wasn't it wasn't a box office success. It didn't make a lot of money. You know the the like a, as far as like a movie a movie studio sees it, it was a failure. Um, it because the world is devoid of justice. <laughs> um, this this thing made its money and made a following on DVD sales. Um, and it it's kind of what's fascinating about it that it like came out in 99 like that was kind of the the peak of like people starting to you know create their like home you know DVD collection um i mean when i said like yeah i walked over to the shelf and everybody should do the same thing like i think there are a lot of people out there where this was one of the first DVDs that they bought um and and it's weird right because like I'm not going to say I was excited for this movie to come out, but I kind of remember when it came out. Like, I think there was a little bit of a buzz around it. And again, people that are our age that grew up with the Milton cartoon on Saturday Night Live or like liquid television, you know, where like MTV was actually doing sort of like avant garde, cutting edge stuff with like how, you know, 
creation of cartoons and experimental things like you know somebody that was born a couple years after us missed that wave you know like they all got reality tv you know um so we like i remember sort of being a little bit hyped about this movie and this was even before really knowing mike judge and what he could do you know because like i think after this then it was like ooh, mike judge like i remember being really psyched when idiocracy came out um but yeah i was like i was sort of shocked because for me i felt like this was a huge movie and probably a lot of the rest of the world didn't at the time and like i thought ron livingston was gonna be like the biggest star ever like to me i thought uh i thought like um you know the way that like uh, uh i don't know um trying to think of like 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 the way like the 40 year old virgin kind of made steve carell you know and then after that mm-hmm. there were steve carell movies or you know i probably the same thing could be said about like jim carrey or jack black or something i thought i thought uh ron livingston was going to have that kind of career and i guess looking at it i realized like well he's not really a comedian like he's just He's just an actor, a good actor, uh, who's who's really playing this Zen thing well. Like he's got to be, he's got to be frustrated at the beginning of the movie, and then he's got to do this like Zen thing after he gets hypnotized. Um, and a lot of the comedy comes from the people around him and his reactions to it, but the people around him. Um, and. No, I, I... I think you nailed it. I don't think he's. I don't think he's the funny one. Not that that's a bad thing. I I love the TV series Seinfeld. I don't know that Seinfeld's the funny one in that series. He's not. He's not funny at all. But that's not his job to be funny in that scenario. This the show turns out great with him not being funny, and that's Ron Livingston here. I don't. I don't think he's got almost any of the laugh lines. Right. I can't even think of one. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um... But yeah, like uh, I mean, he's got a lot oh. of he's got a lot of like really important lines, and his delivery was so. I mean, like every single day of my life has been worse than the day before it. Like right, that so was played important. for comedy, right, kind of. But the the laugh line is the psychologist's reaction who does a great job. Which oh man, that's messed up, right? So yeah. Ron Livingston is a great actor in this. I, he he acts it perfectly. I I wouldn't change a thing about his performance, but I don't know that he's the funny one almost almost at all i mean i'm sure if we really try there's got to be a couple points but well i don't think i've been missing it bob (laughs) well i i I think that's reactions that's funny there i mean kind of but that line itself is pretty darn funny too i think it's a testament to the script right because because i he he isn't playing the funny bit he's playing truth like what Ron Livingston is doing is playing the truthful moment. And it just happens to be such an absurd thing that it's funny. And the reaction that the other characters give is, you know, is what, is what keeps the pace of the movie. Um, so I, I think we got off on a tangent on Paul's point and I, I, I want to let him get back to it and I'm sorry, but I do have to interject again because we did forget Ron Livingston does have probably the funniest line in the whole movie. What? No, no one, no one. I, I'm sitting here thinking. I'm like, what does he say that's funny? It, 
I mean, the first one that popped into my head was, I don't think I've been missing it, Bob. But <laughs> No, that's fine. That's fine. But that's just honest. And I, no, that, there's lots of funny, it's the, and maybe everyone else didn't find this as funny, and it's probably pretty offensive. But you know what? The first time I heard it, I damn near shat myself. So it's the funniest line in the movie. The Nazis had pieces of flair, too. They made the Jews wear them. It's super offensive. It's not okay. I get that it's not okay. I, I'm sure that I peed a little. I'm sure that I peed a little the first time I heard it. It fucking wrecked me. And he delivers it. He delivers it with perfection. And don't get me wrong. Jennifer Aniston's look and reaction to it definitely adds to the joke. So, again, she is, she is multiplying his humor. Um, she does great in this. Like she's a great actress. Um, but the yeah, okay, Paul, you go back to your point. Ron Livingston does have some funny lines in it, but again, I don't think he's the he's not the funny part of the movie. Yeah, uh, I think I took myself on my own tangent. Um, I think if I could, if, I think if I could tie it all back together, I would say that um, I don't think I. I don't think I quite registered the moral the way that you did, Sean, which is is be yourself. Um, although I think I, I think that is a great way to look at this movie and maybe a way I'd like to look at this movie. Um, I think I kind of took it as like your um, your happiness should not be secondary to the the like stupid bs that you have to do at work you know like like your happiness should 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 not should not take a backseat to um to work things that are not important um and uh i think that that does get quantified a little bit in dietrich bader's character because like he he is the only one that's sort of like honest about all of it you know like his his answer to what you would do if you had a million dollars is two chicks at the same time and it's not that like that's the right answer it's that it's that like he's comfortable enough with himself to know that like hey man like you know i don't (laughs) i don't need i don't need anything you know i don't need i don't need anything you know um and uh uh yeah like the 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 fact that Peter sort of comes to that realization at the end of the movie and ends up working with um ends up working with Lawrence, you know, I think is is fitting and that kind of like that kind of like highlights the importance of Lawrence in the movie and that Lawrence was sort of the guy with all the answers. Um but I think I think the way that it I think the way that it sort of shaped me um was that like i saw these stupid things that he was expected to do in this movie you know like that peter was expected to do he was expected to you know um uh the the time that you spend at work is more important than actually being productive and getting the job done right or like wearing a tie and a button down shirt is, you know, more important than being comfortable, you know, all these things like that. And that when Peter just lets go of that stuff and he's like, this is bullshit. I'm not doing it. You know, 
is when is when he starts to succeed you know to the to the point of where he's getting a promotion and poor michael and samir are getting fired you know but i i think i looked at some of that stuff when i was like graduating high school and getting out into the world because again this is when this movie hit you know 1999 and when i went to when I went to college, there was an apartment that I lived in my sophomore year. We played this movie. We probably watched this movie once a week. There was five movies we had on rotation. It was Office Space, The Big Lebowski, uh, the South Park movie, and then I had a bunch of roommates that all liked gangsters, so they liked Goodfellas and Casino. Um, but you could bet that if it was like a weekend afternoon and you were just hanging out around the apartment and people were cleaning and whatever, that like one of those five movies was on. I probably watched this movie once a week. Um, but like, I think it's, you know, I think it's shaped my life of like, yeah, I, like I'm not going to roll in right at nine if I don't have to. Like, you know, like, I, like I'll, I'll get the work done and when I'm there shouldn't concern you. And like, don't worry about it, you know, or like I've never worn a suit to work. Now I haven't had a job where you had to wear a suit, but like I I, I do work in education. I probably should be wearing a suit sometimes, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I guess I temper that with like, hey, I build scenery and I work in a theater and I, you know, whatever we paint and build stuff and get dirty. Like I come in with ripped jeans and band t-shirts and stuff. You know what I mean? Like. I think I think this movie sunk into my psyche in ways that I didn't realize, and like it has just shaped my opinion of what you should expect in a work scenario for for the for my adult life. <laughs> I see. I think it did the same yet opposite thing for me. I think it sank into my psyche in the same way that you're describing, but I never adapted to it. So I think it might actually make me unhappy. <laughs> I'm like, every day of my life, I, I, well, I mean, you know, post-pandemic, some days are at-home days now, which is wonderful. But the, uh, you know, most days of my life, uh, like, I put on a suit, and I go in, and I'm, I'm not myself at all. I am, you know, a corporate student. You've got to act a certain way. You got, like, you know, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous uh, that I have to wear a suit. Like, do I know the law any less well when I'm wearing a t-shirt and jeans because that's what i want to be wearing but i don't go to court in a t-shirt and jeans that's crazy talk right so i go to a court in a suit and i i put on a fake persona and i i am this uh, person that i have to be because if i'm not that person no one will listen to me which is stupid because i know what i know whether or not i'm pretending to be this person or not and i think at the back of my head because this sank into my psyche uh, it's just kind of like ringing. It's like you're being Peter at the beginning of the movie. You're not even being Peter in the middle of the movie where at least he's trying to fix his shit. Like, it's not, it's not successful, but at least there's some effort. You know, it's like, no, Peter at the beginning of the movie every day. And then, like, I just have to come home and, like, uh, do fun, ridiculous, childish things like video games and cartoons to uh, blanket all that. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie affected me in the way of the... Uh... You know, I did nothing, and it was everything I ever thought. Because <laughs> I, man, I love doing nothing. But also, just the whole fact that everything seems to be about balance. Like the way I read the movie was, it's not about 
if your job is making you miserable because of all of these things, like you can see the joy in most situations if you have some sort of balance in your life. Uh, and that was what this movie taught me was not that like, you know, hard labor out there working with your hands is better than office work. Um, it just, it is for, it was for him. It, it was, it was finding that balance the way he was like, he's you know, covered in garbage and he's like, he's, he's, he's working hard, but then he stops and he's like, you know, I got some fresh air. I got some sunshine. Like, so he's in this position that a lot of people would look at and be like, I would never want to do that job. But he's looking at it from a perspective of I'm seeing the positive side of this uh, instead of focusing on all the negative. And I guess that's just kind of one of the thing, one of the points that this movie drove home for me. Um, I did want to go back to one uh, oh, of. Sorry, I just wanted to say something real quick. The the. Also, the way that we leave Peter at the end of the movie, I always got the impression that he was like, well, this is this is what I'm happy doing right now. You know, like, you know, maybe this will only be cool for a while. But like right now, I'm happy, you know, because I think he kind of says that to Michael and Samir when they 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 show up, you know, they say, do you want us to get you a job at Intertrode? And he goes, no, like right now I'm good here, you know. And I, I thought that that was sort of part of it. Like, like I will do what is best for me for the moment. You know, when, when I need to, I will do what's best for me. Yeah, like he's, he's attempting to find uh, a, a proper balance in life. And that's, uh, at least that's how I read it. I did want to go back to a previous uh, uh, point where you were talking about how the back end of the movie felt like uh, I almost tacked on or whatever. I looked at this from such a different perspective. I thought it was really interesting that you guys were were saying that because, so I was obsessed with liquid television when I was a kid. And so I've, I had seen that specific Milton short with uh, him and the stapler. And the joke was, you know, I'm going to set the building on fire. And so when I saw there was an office space movie, because I think when it would air on liquid, liquid television, the short was called office space. So when there was an office space movie and I'm watching it and like there's Milton and they do the scene, like it seemed to me like the whole impetus for this movie in the first place wasn't, wasn't the, you know, the, the whole point was how do we get to Milton Burns that sets the building on fire? And like, it looked, it all, I always read the movie as in that was the joke that they wanted to get through that he gets, he gets pushed far enough that he actually does set the building on fire now, how do we build a plot around that? So, you know, they go backwards like, all right, well, there's got to be something that setting the building on fire accomplishes. And that leads to the plot. And that leads to them. How do they get to the, 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 the Superman heist or whatever? I always looked at it like that was the point that they worked backwards from. Like they had this short and then they had, what would, it, what would it be like if this short finished off with uh, the, 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 the actual payoff was him eventually setting the building on fire and it just kind of worked around that way. So for me, the, the end of the movie never really felt tacked on to me. It always felt to me like that was what they were doing in the first point, first place. And everything else was in service of getting to the point of Milton setting the building on fire and having it be part of the plot. Cause that's what I was waiting for the whole time. Like, especially when they put the literal short in there, I'm like, all right, so the, this whole, up to this point, they've pushed him around a couple of times. 
is he going to set the building on fire? Like, that's what I was waiting for, for the whole time I'm watching it, the first time I saw it. Um, so I guess, I guess just goes to show that different people took different things watching it. Cause that, that was just, that was a totally different perspective that I never really considered before. I, I've thought a lot about the end and Milton setting the building on fire. Like, I feel like there's people that probably could think that that's a plot hole, but I think that like, I think that it sort of works just well enough on each of the two levels that it works on. Like, I, I think that you, you could look at it like, um, Hey, they took this money and the bosses know they took the money or, you know, sorry, the bosses know that money is missing, right? Cause there's one point where Lumberg is downstairs telling him to like kill cockroaches and stuff. <laughs> and then the other guy comes in and is like, Hey, there's a whole bunch of money missing. So like they're aware of this thing. And you think to yourself, like how would Peter and these guys, like how would it not get traced to Peter and these guys? Um, even if the building got burned down, like they would have to trace this money. In all fairness, you got to put yourself in 1990s computer technology. Yeah, there's no cloud backup. There's, there's no servers. cloud backup. Right. Yeah. The servers are toast. That's it. There's no record of any of it. And like the servers are just in the building. Like they're just downstairs in the building That's, or something. In the 90s, that shit is possible. Like when you go back to the 80s, I don't understand how banking was done like it's wild like it's 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 so incredibly uh i'm i'm just gonna say dangerous like think about how banking transactions must have been done go to the early 80s we were alive our parents were doing stuff you know <laughs> we're sitting there we're little kids there there's no internet that this shit's getting backed up on. Your parents are going to the bank, they're taking out some money, some other people are putting in some money, buy, 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 buy this some paperwork. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's no computer record of it in the early 80s. By the early 90s, there's a computer record, but it's for companies like that, for you know an independent company, it, it very well just might be in the building. It could be just gone. I, I know that's wild to think of today, but... So how do you guys see the end of the movie? Do you see it that the all of the proof got burned up and nobody nobody looked any harder because you couldn't look any harder and the the company just had to move on or did the company assume that Milton did it because he was the disgruntled employee that then a bunch of money disappears and the building gets burned down? And when we see Milton on that beach, is he just enjoying a vacation or is he like uh, in a place where there's no extradition? <laughs> I assumed he was in a no extradition place just out of an abundance of caution. But, uh, you know, I kind of assumed the company was just gone. Like that was the end of it. Because... Yeah, because like, Milton's not blameless. I know we like. I know we like to like laugh at him, and that we sort of identify with him a little bit because he just gets crapped on so much that then he retaliates. But like, he does burn the building down, conceivably in the middle of the day. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's entirely. They don't confirm that nobody died. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's God. not the hero. <laughs> Well, are we go? Are we going back to philosophy? It depends on your position. You know, we're talking utilitarianism. What are we talking? Because I mean, you know, I don't know. He was. Uh, that was the moment. You know what? Uh, and that goes back to the point I made earlier. That was the moment he was honest about who he was. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, up until that point, he was, you know, he was uh, keeping it in. He was, he was making himself unhappy by trying to be someone he wasn't. He was like, I, I don't like that. I don't like, you know, he's like, he wouldn't express himself. He wouldn't be himself. And then there it is. There's his true self. His true self is fire and rage and don't fuck with me. And as soon as he does that, he's happy, right? He's on a beach in wherever he is. Right with a million, yeah, but even dollars. there, he's not happy. Yeah. He's complaining about the drink that he got. Yeah, because he went because he goes back to mumbling and not not expressing himself. But in that, in I don't know, I don't know. In that moment, he is he's he is himself. And there are some philosophical concepts you could probably wander down that would say that that is that is the moral thing to do is to be yourself, whoever it is you are. Right? Like uh, so that that everything means else is a lie. Everything else is. Uh, a betrayal of the people around you. That means to Sean, the moral is be yourself, even if who you are is a raging psychopath. <laughs> it might be a better way for us all to live. I, I, I mean, I'm, you know, how do you judge better? Uh, for, I tend to fall back on utilitarianism, which wouldn't pan out unless you say, you know, most people aren't psychopaths. If we all just did our thing, you know, it would probably in general work out pretty well for everybody. Yeah, it's it's a good thing that Milton's funny because I think the last line he says is, "Okay, well, I'll put strychnine in the guacamole." (laughs) (laughs) Um, do do you guys have has your? uh, I know Sean's not on social media, but like I don't know your like Google News, your your Facebook page, whatever, been like inundated with this stuff about quiet quitting. No, oh, you I don't know. know. What you're talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. So nope. it's it's like it's like this new buzzword, and it's it's a thing that people are talking about in in TikToks, whatever that is. I don't know what TikToks are. Like to me, I, I've never they're like, short videos. Yeah, I've never tried to do a TikTok, but like Facebook has those things that are called Reels that I guess are like TikToks, and I keep trying to like hide mm-hmm. them. Stop it. Cause Stop saying and YouTube, <laughs> YouTube shorts are the same yeah, basic t- principle. I had to do some TikToks. T- to me, it just seems like a bunch of white ladies all like dancing and singing about how they understood the assignment. Um, but <laughs> anyway, younger the uh, the younger generation is posting about this quiet quitting, which is to say you don't go above and beyond for your job, and they have they have kind of tactics for how to do this quiet quitting thing. You know, they're like at 5 PM silence your phone. Don't take any more work calls, you know? Um, like don't like, don't come in early. Don't stay late. Like it's, I mean, it's essentially, it's like setting boundaries so that work doesn't take over your life, especially now that like you can pack up your laptop and take work home with you. And anybody can, you know, anybody can, get your attention at any time with emails and phones and stuff like that. So like, I don't know, like, I guess like conservative news outlets and stuff are going bananas about this. They're like, do you see these kids with this quiet quitting? You know, like, do you, like nobody wants to work anymore. Nobody wants to put in the time for their job, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I like look at it and I'm like, this is not a new thing. Like, I know people that have been doing the bare minimum for years <laughs> and they still have a job, you know, like, I, like, I don't do think guys, this is, remember... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm cutting you off. Why are you apologizing to me? That oh, I, I was just going to say, I, I was just going to say, I, I don't think this is a new thing. And I think some of this is a little bit quantified by office space. 
And I think it, I think it has sunk in for people of our time because like this was the information sharing. This was the way to express that idea in a movie like office space. Or if you're going to get kind of extreme about it, maybe like fight club, right? Like it's all (laughs) bullshit, you know, burn it down, whatever. Um, uh, but like other generations had other movies. Like I think before office space, there was uh slacker, um, you know, I guess even the boomers had like, uh, what was it? The graduate, you know what I mean? Like this idea of like you, your happiness is not your happiness is, is can be more important than, than work can be more important than the grind is like not a new idea. I just think it's that like, this isn't how kids communicate now with movies. They I, I communicate with TikToks. So there's all this stuff about quiet quitting and everybody acts like it's a new thing. And I'm like, no, like people have been doing that for years. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know how far we, I, I could do another 10 minutes about Mr. Evans and, and work ethic. Uh, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. Chat. So I drink low alcohol content beer. Some most weeknights I drink no alcohol content beer. Zero alcohol. It's fun. It's great. I like beer. Jacqueline's mom tries to be nice to me and buys me like beers that have words on them that I would like, like chocolate and bourbon barrel and things like that. But now I'm sitting here with these beers she bought me, and they're like they're in the teens, and I'm like, this is oh, I'm lit. <laughs> <laughs> so could I go on a, a 20 minute rant about how Mr. Evans taught me that? Uh, you know, work ethic was working like the boss is watching even when he doesn't. And in the back of my head, I kind of want to do that. But at the same time, I'm like, companies will just fire us if they think they can raise their stock a quarter of a percent to quote office space. And so like, why wouldn't you quiet quit? Like it's a, it's a weird, uh, it's like a holdover attitude from the boomers or maybe, maybe the greatest generation might go back further where it's like, there's some sort of obligation to be doing more than arm's length contractual uh, service for your employer. And really there isn't at the end of the day, we live in a, a capitalist society You, where, I mean, it's, Oh God, it's tough because again, Mr. Evans is in the back of my head. Cause that guy seems smart and I want to, I want to make him proud of me. Right. Uh, and you're like, I want to do what he thinks I should do. Cause that guy, that guy had his head on his shoulders. Um, but at the same time, it's like, no, this is a capitalist contractual society. You should put forth the absolute bare minimum effort to get you the maximum reward. So you only want to put forth effort insofar as it will directly benefit you. Any gain to the company, unless there's some sort of profit sharing stock options scenario, and that is a maybe in place, why the hell would you take one extra phone call or, or, or exert one calorie of effort in order to... Uh, benefit the the company you work for the the system is set up so that you are if you're thinking about it logically encouraged to do the bare minimum which is unfortunate because we'd probably all be better off if we were encouraged to uh, actually perform at our ability Um, but that's not how our you know, this is a capitalist society. Like you, any extra effort you put forth that you don't get credit for, that's just wasted energy. That's one more apple you have to buy yourself out of your own pocket to produce the calorie to do that work. Why would you do it? There's no, there's no reason. It's it. 
it's uh, it's a broken system. And you say, well, maybe we should act better in it, but if the system's not going to be fixed. Pouring, you know. Well, I think I think a lot of that depends on whether what you consider uh, what you consider credit or what you consider worth. I think you could also, you know, honor these ideas that that you respect of Mr. Evans and still, you know, uh, still have your belief system such as it was like, um, you can, you can work with integrity and take pride in your work, but not get stepped on by people. Um, and I think a lot of it comes back to these like kind of bullshit things that work is instilled to you that is important that really isn't important, you know, like, um, one thing, and I, I, I've, I've never had to do this and I'm lucky because I work in a building where like literally none of my colleagues work. Like I, nobody sees when I get there. Nobody sees when I leave. It's like amazing. Right. But like, I remember seeing some TV show and it's like, Oh, you can't leave until the boss leaves, right? Like the boss was at the end of the hall. And like, I remember like everybody'd watch for when he puts on the his office. coat. You know, uh, what is it? Remember in the office, that episode where Joe is there, the, the new owner of the company, she's hanging out at the Scranton branch and they're all like, I think it's like St. Patty's Day or something. They all want to leave and go to the bar and it's like 530, but no one wants to leave before the boss does. So they're just watching. And eventually Michael's, you know, sacks up and he goes in there. And he's like, my people have put in a good day. We're leaving. I think that's the episode. Is that not what you're talking about? Like, that's a direct... No, that that might be it, but I also feel like I've seen other... You know, I've seen other things that were like this. I think I've also worked with people that were like this. And, like, I've always been like, all right, like, I was here since nine. Now it's almost five. I'm like, I'm going to go. Like, what's a minute here or a minute there if I showed up a minute or two early? Like, you know, it's all a wash. And you can't tell me that... uh, you know, like, you can't tell me that this kind of, like, BS, like, belief, you know, trope is a thing that, like, we have to abide by, you know? Like, I also don't think, like, w- when when you're there is equivalent to how much work you could do. Like, if you do the same amount of work as some, the incompetent guy next to you, like, if you can, if you can do the work in two hours that it takes them all day to do... You know, then like, like, why feel guilty? You know, I don't know. That that's a, I think that's another thing that I've maybe not learned from office space, but that I, I think I've learned at work in general. Like, I, I don't ever feel bad about like um, trying to get a job or go for a job that I don't know a lot about because I'm like. I've worked with a ton of people that are so unqualified for their job. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not going to feel bad about this. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I know. And then if what I don't know, I'm going to learn, you know, like, I don't know. Sorry. Go on. One of the things that I was th- thinking while, while, while Sean was talking was like, I remember working in, in my video game stores and like, that was always this interesting balancing act because I rarely thought about the corporate level. I always thought about, my store was my store and we didn't work necessarily for appreciation from corporate. Like of course the the people at corporate, the district managers and the regional managers, they were getting paid exponentially more than all of us. But what me and my teams typically took from those jobs was the satisfaction of doing the work. Like 
we liked going into the store and making the video games look cool and talking to people about games and making sure the right people got the right games. Like if somebody comes in and they're looking for something and we help them get a game that brings them joy, that was, that was the reward. Like, so as long as we were making enough to pay our bills, or at least this is what it was from my perspective, I got genuine joy out of the work itself. So while there was a, most of what I did was just making the people above me more rich you know, my store does better. I might get a bonus, maybe get a bonus at the end of the year, but almost never. Stock options. <laughs> Stock options. None I, I never saw any of that stuff, but I got so much job satisfaction out of the actual job itself that that kind of stuff never really bothered me. Maybe it should because it is not fair and it's part of why everything in the world is so broken. But having a job where success wasn't i i didn't measure my success based on how much money i made i measured my success based on how how much joy my work brought me how much satisfaction it brought me so i would i don't know if that i would say that everybody's got to do something and that and that you probably took the right lessons from peter <laughs> you you could probably answer that question. so what would you do if you had a million dollars if you had a million dollars you might just sit around the store and talk to people about what video games they should play. That might... I would do this all day long. <laughs> the podcasting? All right, well. I would do, I, yeah, that's, that's all I want to do. I want to talk to my friends about nerdy stuff all day long. That's all I want to do. Right. And if I could get paid to do this, then I would. My, my current job is close to that. Um, but, you know. Anyway, that's a podcast for another podcast. <laughs> we, should probably, uh, we should probably move forward here. I am... I mean, I'm almost out of thing. I mean, obviously I could talk about office space all day, every day, and this is all really fascinating conversation that I love to have. I, um, I wrote a bunch more stuff, but I'll, I'll just, I'll just try to say it quick. Um, I, I was, I was kind of worried that it, the movie wouldn't feel, um, well, wouldn't feel current cause it's not current, you know, like it was made in the nineties, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I was kind of worried that like, some of that would impact its enjoyment for, I don't know, future generations, whatever you want to say. Um, I can't look at it through the lens of somebody who's 20 years younger than me, but like, I feel like some of what they talk about with the, the bank software and the Y2K stuff does kind of make it feel a little bit like a period piece. Like mm -hmm. I thought that kind of framed it squarely in the world that it was in. And I thought that was cool. Um, another thing that I, I laughed at really hard and, um, sometimes I try to keep track of these and remember them because, uh, I, I like it when I see this in a movie where the, the editing makes a joke, like the actual, the actual next cut of the movie is the punchline to a setup. Um, probably, I think my favorite, like most memorable one is in a uh, uh oh, what is it it must be it must be indiana jones in the last crusade chris is going to know exactly what i'm talking about where they chris is going to know the line the um about marcus brody where he's like you didn't marry the book to marcus did you he, he, he knows a thousand languages he's in a thousand countries he's disappeared <laughs> he's a thing and then it edits to him like confused on the street i love it like, yeah i laugh yeah, every time exactly. i see it 
Um, That's a hysterical joke. Yeah, but I thought I thought this movie, and I I've never seen this before this watching, but I think this was a like an equally good setup and punchline when he's talking to Michael about the virus, and Michael's like. Come on, wh- like, why would I do that? Like, uh, you know, like, that's illegal. I wouldn't be doing that. Like, I have a good job. And Peter goes, what if you didn't have a good job? <laughs> and then the next and cut it, is them in the bar. And he's like, motherfucker. I think he goes cock gobblers. I think cock oh, yeah. gobblers might be the line. Cock gobblers, fudge packers. And those were, those were the, like, gay slurs that I was talking about. Like, it's funny, but it's like. If you think about it for more than a second, yeah, it's maybe it's, maybe a little less. But yeah. it's again it's product of its time, so it's still still pretty funny to me, anyways. Uh, the other th- that was another thing I definitely wanted to say. Uh, the damn it feels good to be a gangster is one of the best music cues. And that's the end of the first act, and that is the high point of the movie. Like it builds to that point. Uh, you're right, Paul. It is in thirds because that's the end of the first third of the movie, and that is the greatest music montage yeah. of any movie ever. Seriously, one the of the point. best. That, without a doubt. That, this was on my list to, to ask you guys. What did, what did you think of the soundtrack? I thought the soundtrack was, was quite brilliant. It's uh, the only song I can think of. What else was in there? I don't know any of the rest of them. I, I, other than the song that's over the credits. But uh, the, um, oh, yeah, that's okay. the fact that it was all this hip-hop music, kind of like very, very tied to the Michael Bol- Mike Bolton character, uh, I, I thought the soundtrack was great. The what I what I read after I watched this because you know I watched it again and then I was like what kind of trivia can I find out uh, before we record and apparently the studio really fought Mike Judge about the soundtrack um, that that you know uh, I mean I guess some of it is hip hop I think some of it is like gangster rap. Um, mm-hmm. but that like Mike judge is kind of like into gangster rap and he thought that that was cool. And that, yeah, certainly it correlates with the Michael Bolton character. And like, it just, I, I think it so fuels that scene where they beat the crap out of the copier. Like, it's just, uh, it's, I, I think it's just masterful, the song that underscores it. And then like, I love how. Like I love how they all turn to walk away, and then Michael Bolton turns back, like like the copier has just wronged him so much. Um, but uh, yeah, apparently they didn't they didn't want him to use the gangster rap, and he fought them about it. And man, I feel like that is a artistic choice that pays off because I I I think the soundtrack for this movie is really good. <laughs> I mean, I haven't sat down with the soundtrack. Like, I didn't buy the Off Space soundtrack, but as far as the songs lining up with the scenes, yeah, I mean, just those two or three examples right there. I mean, I can't imagine what else they would have played there, right? Um, so I, he probably he probably made the right call. They were probably looking at, like, some sort of demographic stuff. They were like, look at the people in the movie. What's your demographic? You're looking for, like... 30-year-old office workers. You think you're going to sell them on a gangster rap album soundtrack? You know, like... Were we, th- we were at 30 when this came out, but how is this for us? Is But that's probably the... The, 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 the brilliance of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is quite brilliant. Everybody in it is pushing 30. They're office workers. I don't well- know. What I wonder what kind of makeup they must have done on Milton because I think now the age that uh, what's his name Steven Root, Root is 
is probably the age he was supposed to be in office space. You, yeah. You know, I think, <laughs> I think I, I never, I think he's a little bit of a chameleon that I never really realized his age because probably now he's like in his late fifties and, you know, I think he was supposed to look like that in, in office space. Um, I didn't realize how young he was. Um, Boy, also, was he? he's, he's been in so many movies and so many like brilliant things like he like he's in he's in that show Barry that I like he was on True Blood he's he's been like he's been in so many movies Dodgeball um like lots of great characters funny characters I think that guy's in his like 70s now man. Oh really I mean, you think so I, is, he was in news radio that was like what like early 90s mid 90s and like he wasn't wearing any makeup in there I think mean, stage makeup or whatever and he had to be he had to be forty in that. Oh, uh, you, uh, you're you're more right. He was born in fifty one. Yeah, fifty one. So yeah, he's seventy one. Yeah, <laughs> he looks damn good for his age. Like I said, he's a chameleon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the only the only thing I, I I feel the need to bring up, uh, and it's it's not it's movie related, and I loved it, and it it sang to me as so much of this movie did. Uh, was was the line where he was like, she was like, what else do you want to do? He's like, I want to watch Kung Fu. I want to watch Kung Fu with me. Mm-hmm. I fucking love that show. And it came on right after Time Tracks, which now has come up, I think, two months in a row. Or was that two months ago that came up? Because that show was great. And it came on, it was, it was Time Tracks and Kung Fu. That was the combo move. That was the Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, got home from church, sat down. Nobody called yet to go do anything. All right, what's on TV? UPN, Time Tracks, and Kung Fu. Love it. I remember. I remember it well. So yeah, Kung Fu sang when 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 that was the when that was the connection moment. I really appreciate. It. the The only other thing that I wrote down is uh, I think I could have used a little more Drew, the the O face guy. <laughs> it's. Ugh. He almost felt like a character they wanted more out of. Like it felt like if that if this movie was made today, they would have grabbed like some up and coming uh, stand up comedian. Like uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to one of my favorites, like Kyle Kinane or uh, you know, or a Mulaney, right? And and like it was a it was a we're going to give you like 60 seconds airtime to really just go nuts and really sell this. You know, whoever whoever you know, Stephen Wright, I don't know, depending on the decade. Yeah. You're I think I think he just needed one more scene, like not a lot. Just I just I think one more scene earlier in the movie, because you know all these other ridiculous characters got set up pretty early when they were, you know, when when you were meeting all these weirdos at the office, you know, uh, the the jump to conclusions guy, the woman that, um, you know, with the with the repetitive voice, you know, just a just moment, a moment. Um, you know, and, all these you know things Chris where he a... just couldn't handle it anymore and he had to leave work. I, I, when, when, when you said that, Chris had a cringe reaction, and but <laughs> I think that's the point. It's not that his, it's not that his words were funny. It's that the the cringe of that character does yeah. get to me. It's it's like it, again, it's a relatable thing. It's like that's that guy at work that's just like, oh come on, you're killing me, man. I want to work. I want to meet you halfway. We're both in this hell together, but you're just <laughs> you just fucking you're just killing the worst. me. You're just the worst. And and you can see it on their face when they're talking to him. They're trying to relate to him. It's like, come on, man, we're here together. Why why are you gonna make it hard? 
he he was actually kind of an important character because he tells Peter that that uh Lumberg. that she slept with Lumberg and then he gets to have that very funny dream um you know and then of course there had to be a falling out with the two of them before they could reconcile at the end although that's the thing i think would be different if this movie was made today like that was the one thing that felt a little icky to me like i understand why he was so like i understand why why the moment works because he's he hate like lumberg is the epitome of evil to him you know but like it also felt a little icky that he was like, you know, you slept with Lumberg, get out of the car. Like that that's a thing where I was like, ah, I don't think she should be so fast to forgive him. <laughs> I don't feel like he threw her out of the car. I feel like he had a reaction, an honest reaction to her sleeping with Lumberg, uh, and she chose to get out of the car. Which is a yeah, little different. Yeah, she she said pull over the, right, know, right. the car. Yeah, but, don't yeah. get me wrong. It's a dick move on his part, but at the same time I don't know. Again, if the moral of the movie is be yourself, then I don't. I don't think. You, look, you get, you have an honest reaction to something, and again, the uh, so so the honest reaction might be what they're saying. Like that's the healthy thing to do, right? Don't don't sit there and, and bottle up your emotions and, and pretend to be someone you're not. Uh, I think his character is saved in the fact that I think we all know, and I don't know how we know this, that he does... Oh, because we know the end result. Uh, his reaction is saved in that it's not so much he was judging her, because if it had been anybody other than Bill Lumberg, he didn't care. Once he found out, it, was, it wasn't... He wasn't like, I don't know, judging her on her past choices so much. It was just that he had a guttural, visceral honest reaction to the idea of anybody being with bill and like how could you do it's bill right so it's i don't know right i don't, I don't know i i hear you it doesn't and bother I, me so much and I, and I don't think it's a it's i don't think it's like irredeemable you know like i just feel like in in the context of a movie today like that that would be a little more storytelling in the final act like she just wouldn't be so quick to to take him back you know what i mean like uh i just i i i think that uh in today's world that's a that's a bigger deal than it was in 99 you know all right so we all like this movie clearly yeah I, yeah and, as uh, far as recommend i couldn't recommend it high again top 10 movies of all time most important Easily. movie yeah. you'll ever watch and a, a <laughs> darn near rite of passage for adult humanity all right, so I guess it is time for the. Uh, it's time to wrap things up and get to our uh, our votes. So what are we what are we doing next month for the letter P? Uh, I think I went first. No, I didn't go first last time. I don't remember who. Wait, I did go first last time, and then because uh, I almost picked Office Space, and then somebody else did, and I went with it. Do you want to go first, Sean, or should I? I'll go first. I don't care. Do it. Uh, I have a I have a, a movie selected. But if you guys haven't seen the first one, the first one starts with the same letter, and I want to change it to the first one. If you've both seen the first one, then I want to go with the movie I have selected. Is that okay. fair? So exciting. That fair? Okay, yeah. All right, so the movie I've selected is Prey. P-R-E-Y. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. It just came out on Hulu, but it's a Predator movie. If you haven't both yep. seen the first Predator, then I want to switch my, my thing to Predator, because why the hell would you watch Prey if you haven't seen Predator number one? Now, so having 
Having sat and watched all the Predators in one day, other than Prey, which just came out, with Jacqueline, back to back to back, there's like seven or eight of them. Sean, I just did this. What'd you just do? Like, the the, the day before yesterday, I literally watched four Predator movies in 24 hours. (laughs) So, having done that, I I, I feel solidly able to say it doesn't matter if you've seen any of them other than the first one. As long as you saw the first one, all the other ones, you could just randomly pick one and watch it, right? So Wait, I feel confident so as you long want us as you to saw watch, number one. You want us to watch Predator 2? No, I, no, I want to watch, what, I want to watch Prey. Oh, oh okay. As long Unless as, we've never seen Predator. Right, as long case, as both then... of you have seen Predator 1. Have both of you seen Predator 1? I, I, have, yes. I have now seen all, all the Predator movies, so yes. Have you? <laughs> yeah. Because there was Predator, there was Predator 2, there was Predators, there was Predator vs. Alien the first time, there was Predator vs. Alien the second time, there was, uh, there's one more. Uh, yeah, the one I didn't one. know existed until yesterday. So I when, I when I just rewatched these, I didn't watch any of the Alien vs. Predator, but we I watched okay. I watched Prey like a week ago. I was like, that was awesome. And then I was like, yeah, I think I want to revisit Predator. And then two nights ago, Sherry went to bed early, and I was like, guess I'm watching Predator. And then uh, the next day I woke up, Nate was still at my parents' house. I was like, I could get things done. I was like, or I could watch Predator 2. Um, and then, you know, and then I was like, well, might as well follow it up with the last one. And I watched Predators. And then I looked online and I was like, there's another one. It wasn't on Hulu. It was on some other app. But then I, I watched that last night. So, Right. So with Prey, there's like, if you count the Alien vs. Predator movies, there's like seven Predator movies now. And when you want to talk about a mixed bag of quality, yeah. I mean, I mean, just Ooh. from the very, from the very pinnacle, like, Predator number one, that's one of the best action movies of all time. That's top ten. That is glorious. The, but then, like, you get into some, one of the Predator Alien movies is, is nearly unwatchable. It, it's, it's barely a coherent thought, and it's painful to get through the acting. So, like, the quality, and, and then you've got a bunch of things in the, it's so random, and I'm so excited to watch Prey, not just because it's another addition to this franchise of a character that I love, but also because it is a true, just fucking, like, surprise. It's like, is this going to be a, an artful masterpiece? Or is this going to be the schlock of schlocks, right? So I'm excited to watch it. So Prey is my pick. And if you didn't see, uh, talking more to Chris now, if you didn't see, like, Predators or something, it doesn't matter. It's just no... Yeah, no, the only one I saw was the first one. I That's never fine. followed up with You're any good. Of the sequels. You're good. I mean... There's some other there's some other gems in there. There are some other movies in there that are really good. Uh, there's some crap in there, uh, and there's some middle of the road stuff in there. Um, but I feel confident that you can watch Prey, having never seen any of the other movies, and it won't make a damn lick of difference. If, if we pick that though, Chris, you you gotta you gotta squeeze some other movies in there because he, he's he's right. They really are a mixed bag, and it's kind of bananas. Like <laughs> Predator Two, I was like. I was like, what happened here? Like, did they, they did they just think that like Danny Glover as a cop in Los Angeles fighting predators was like a recipe for success? Like it was gonna be like Predator meets Lethal Weapon? Like that was <laughs> that was just nuts. Danny Glover can do no wrong. <laughs> Clearly. All right. Uh that's cool. You want me to go? Sure, go for it. All right, my pick is gonna 
We're probably we're probably not going to pick mine, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> uh, my pick is not our typical. It's not our typical fair. I think we I think we gravitate toward a certain type of movie, and this movie ain't it. Um, but I feel like I owe it to this actress to pick this movie. Uh, so I, for a long time, I didn't like this actress. Now I really like her. I think she's very talented. I think she's great. Uh, she kind of does it for me a little bit. I'm sort of into her. So that's like part of it. Um, but, uh, in the beginning of her career, I guess I associated her with this movie. I guess I also associated her with twilight. I didn't like her enough so that I couldn't even be bothered to learn her name. If Sherry was watching a movie and it had Anna Kendrick in it, I'd come downstairs and I'd be like, oh, Cups is in this movie? You're watching Cups? So I called her Cups for a long time, I guess because of I knew that that song was in this movie, even though I've never seen this movie. So my pick is going to be Pitch Perfect. Oh, God, that movie is so good. <laughs> I've never seen it. So It's... It's really free. So you've never seen Pitch Perfect? No. Paul, you haven't seen it either? No, I've never seen it. I've I've made fun of it for over a decade, but I've I've oh, never man. seen it and I think I owe it to her to see the movie. It's one of Karen's favorite movies ever and we were looking through P movies last night. She was like, "Well, that would be my pick no matter what." And like, that's over Princess Bride, which is her absolute favorite movie. It was like Pitch Perfect would be her pick. Oh, that's that's so a good one. You said Anna Kendrick, and in my mind, it was that blonde-haired girl. Anna Sedgwick? Is that a person? Don't know. Kira Sedgwick? Kira Sedgwick. I'm way off. Samsonite. Let's move on. <laughs> is, it right. weird, is it weird that I was more with Paul when it was Kira Sedgwick? He was like, she kind of does it for me. I was like, I guess, sort of. And I'm seeing this chick, and I'm like, I don't know. Is that weird? It's weird. They're, they're very, they're very different people. They're very different people. This this chick's too. I don't know. There's something sharp about her face. I'm not I'm not digging on this chick. But I was like curious. Whoever the other one was, I was like, I guess, sorta, maybe. She's the closer on TNT. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah that's what I was picturing. That's the one. Oh man. All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna throw this one out there. This was uh, as. This- me, Greg, and Karen were looking through all the P movies in Kevin uh, uh, Evans Plex. Stop. And Evans Plex is not a place where our four listeners can find things. My movie's available on Hulu. Where's Pitch Perfect available, Paul? I don't know. I stopped doing this. Son of a right bitch! <laughs> all right, Chris. I, where's your I movie mean, available? Don't... No, don't tell me. Don't tell me about some flash movie drive that you only have access to. Where is it really available? To the world. I don't know. I'll Son look it up if we bitch. choose it. No one's doing look, my thing. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm just saying it was. It came down between this and Popeye. And Ooh, I'm Robin go. Williams. Solid movie. Exactly. Haven't watched that one in a while. Um, no, uh, I've never seen this one before, and it seems like an important thing for me to see, so my pick is Point Break. Oh, okay. You've never seen Point Break? Come never on, seen Point man. Break. What? <laughs> Why? What? Where did you? You were like, I know what I should do in my time. I should do a movie podcast because I've seen Jaws, Point Break, and all the important movies. 
We're I do a movie podcast, so I have an excuse to watch all these movies. We're watching the. It would be the Swayze and Keanu one, right? Yeah. Oh. Is there a newer one? Yeah, there is. There was I, a remake that I yeah, didn't I'm just see. Just clarifying. Oh yeah, no, the original Point Break. I've never seen it before. No. Okay. Uh, so yeah, all right. So uh, we've got man, this is tough. Point Break, Prey, and Pitch Perfect. I'm I'm super interested in Prey because I've heard really good things about it. Um, I think Pitch Perfect is hilarious. It, uh, look, the Predator series is the Charlie of movie series. Okay, it's the wild card, bitches. You don't know where it's going. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. One, two, three, fight. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. And I only have two. I don't know the answer. Everybody else is laughing. I'm not laughing. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I've, I've dodged Point Break for another year. <laughs> I, I almost can't... went with Point Break. I was back and forth. I am more interested to see Pitch Perfect because I've seen Point Break a hundred times. I almost picked Point Break just because the fuck is wrong with you, Chris? Just come on. There's just... <laughs> It's, I'm not even saying it's the best movie ever. It's not what I'm saying. It's not even. It's not even in the top hundred best movies. Ever. But it's. It's one of those movies. Like, you know, why haven't you seen that yet? You were. You were alive during the correct time period where you should have seen that. I was too busy playing video games. I, I it's, can't. And it's not a bad movie. It's a good movie. You have no excuse. I can't believe we picked this movie. I literally qualified it with. I don't think you guys are going to pick this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, you have no idea how important that movie is in this household. It was it like it got Karen through postpartum depression. Like that movie, <laughs> we, I, I've seen it at least like three or four times. And you know what? I don't think the sequels stack up. We've I've seen the second one, which I didn't care for at all. But there's there is some legitimate hilarity in the first one. So awesome! All right, uh, where is where is Pitch Perfect streaming, Paul? I could. I can't find where it's streaming anywhere. <laughs> you I, son of a I bitch! I checked the app. I can't find it. <laughs> Do you guys know? No, I don't know. What's wrong with you? <laughs> All right. Wait. You let me see. rent it from. You can rent it from Amazon Prime. All right. That's um, fun. You can either rent it for a whopping four dollars or buy it for fifteen. Um, I'm sure it's streaming somewhere else in the world, but uh. Worst case scenario, you can rent it for four dollars, or come to my house and watch it. Yeah, <laughs> available at Chris's house. Available at my house. According to this, we own this also, on we own this on Blu-ray. It might uh, also so be available on Google Play. It is available on Google Play, Vudu, YouTube, but you got to pay for it too. There's some other options too. All right, yeah. So it's, it's available. It's, it's not a hard movie to find. It's not um, uh, Baby the Last Dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the hell that one was called yeah it's uh it's out there in the world so okay pitch perfect is our our choice for uh for next month i i can't believe that either that's gonna make karen incredibly happy and that means that i get to watch pitch perfect with greg <laughs> <laughs> see you get adorable you're welcome greg <laughs> All right. Okay, a theater near you is a part of the Geekade Podcast Network, and if you'd like to uh, get in touch with us there uh, to share your comments, movie suggestions, or whatever, you can send us an email at mail at geekade.com. We can also be found on most social media outlets and the official Geekade Discord server, all of which can be found in our show notes. And also in our show notes, and I'm ad-libbing this because I haven't written the script yet because we just figured this out today, uh, we do have a Geekade Patreon. Um, Geekade costs money to run. And uh, we make absolutely no money running Geekade. So we're trying to uh, offer people some things in uh, our uh, 
uh, Patreon. So we're going to do one tier that'll get you a uh, schedule for all the podcast topics we have uh, planned out for, for the month. So we'll do like a monthly newsletter. And uh, the next tier up is going to be for early access to uh, several of our podcasts, including uh, Stone Age Gamer, this show, uh, my video game music podcast, and, and assorted sundry others. So if you like what you hear um, and you can spare even a dollar a month, to help us out with uh with keeping this stuff going head over to the patreon which is in the show notes and that's it everybody thanks for listening and we'll see you next time in a theater near you be sure to listen at a reasonable volume while you're collating or while you're <laughs> stapling damn it feels good to be a guest